0: Hello listeners, welcome back to yet another episode of the Digital Adoption Show Season 2. I'm Tamana from WhatFix and I'm sure you must be wondering, what is this episode all about? We thought that let's bring someone who's the heart and soul of any organization. If you guess me right, it's the customers. So we thought that for this episode, we'll bring someone who's actually our customer and they talk about what what kind of L&D strategies they have been using. Season 2, Episode 2, features Erika Wendiak, who's a Associate Director of Corporate Learning at Century Insurance, who would be hosted by Sumit Kumar, who is the Vice President of Strategic Accounts at Vortex. Let's see what they have in store for us. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening listeners, uh, and welcome to this edition of Digital Adoption Podcast. I am Sumit Kumar, your host for today. I'm a sales leader at WhatFix, a digital adoption platform, which is a new category of software. Think of us as a layer, an experience layer on top of your applications and digital interfaces that helps users of all kinds, internal, external, customers, partners, distributors, and so on, complete their workflows productively and efficiently, all in the uh, flow of work and you are learning while you are doing work. Uh, we have a very exciting uh, podcast and show today. So let me start by introducing you to our speaker for today, Erica wanda Yort. She's Associate Director of Corporate Le- Learning at Century Insurance. Hi, Erica. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
1: Hi, thank you for having me. I am doing great uh, and excited to join the conversation today
0: very well. I wanted to make sure that I pronounced your name correctly. Uh, Looks like I did. I feel a lot better.
1: (laughs) You did well. Yes, it's Erica Vandiot.
0: All right. Uh, Excellent. Uh, So, Erica, before I go into the topic uh, of today's podcast, I think it'll be good that we get your introduction so that listeners know who you are. Uh, So, why don't you briefly explain uh, who you are, what your role is, uh, at Century Insurance, while giving a little bit about uh, the company as well. Over to you. Sure.
1: Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so a little bit about me, as you mentioned, I, I, work, for, I work for Century Insurance, uh, and in, in, in particular, I work in what we call Century University, which is the name of our corporate learning and inf- function at Century Insurance. Um, Century is a mutual insurance company based in Wisconsin, and we have offices across the United States. Uh, and we specialize in business insurance, but we also have some personal insurance products. Um, And kind of a little unique aspect about us, while that is certainly our primary business, we actually also operate a destination golf course. Golf is is quite important to us. It's so important uh, that we sponsor the PGA Century Tournament of Champions, which was just in Maui earlier this month. Uh, And we are excited to host the 2023 Senior PGA Tour as well. Um, so, as you know, as important as it is to kind of share what we do, I also want to take a moment to talk about what what we what we value, or kind of how we go about our business. And I'd say at the center uh, of who we are is conversation. So, from a business side, you know, we really pride ourselves in engaging our customers and quality conversations and. Listening to their unique challenges and goals. And for me, that works out great. Uh, as a learning leader in the organization, I'm quite fortunate because I often think, you know, is there a, a better framework for your organization to be founded on than conversation, right? We can take that business focus and translate that directly into our culture and our relationships with each other and our communities, um, which is a great thing to be part of.
0: That's fantastic. I think this is going to tie very well to uh, the topic of today's podcast, which I'm going to introduce shortly. Uh, but what fun, you know, a, uh, a golf course close to the business. Uh, I'm sure he's uh, making good use of it and your customers and your partners. So that that's awesome.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yes, I have ever since joining Century five years ago, I've tried to up my golf game. It can be a little intimidating having a golf course across the street from your corporate building. Like, I better get better at this.
0: (laughs) Very good. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, You mentioned Century University. I'm a little curious. What is Century University? Why did your leadership uh, go this route and establish it? So can you talk briefly about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So Century University, or we tend to call it Century U uh, for short, is our centralized learning and learning function that we created about five years ago. So It's about a 100-year-old company, so comparatively, it's a pretty new department, Um, but really was the vision of our CEO and our executive leaders to invest in learning in a new way and formerly had been more of a decentralized learning function and really not only brought our our training and learning functions from across the organization together under, under one umbrella, but also Um, went about learning in a new way. Uh, In fact, our university tagline is welcome to a new way of learning, uh, which I'd say has been quite successful. You know, it earned us a Brandon Hall Gold Award in 2019 uh, for the best launch of a corporate university. But to kind of expand on that a little bit, um, what is is a new way of learning? What does that mean for us? Uh, Today we offer, I think a diverse mix of learning experiences that range from, yes, the instructor led, but also innovative self-study, blended formats or even even a little bit of virtual reality. Um, and even a small portion of our work is what we call personal development, uh, which are learning experiences that we offer sometimes outside of business hours, but with the idea of we also want to develop our associates as whole people. Um, so we, we've offered things like how to make sushi for your family or learn the basics of golf or dinner etiquette um, in ways that that build the skills that you can use, you know, in your, in your non-work life. But we also want to use learning as a resource for social connection and building networks across the organization. And we just, we just really want to learn for the joy of learning. Uh, so those kind of some fresh ways that we've, some fresh takes that we've taken on, on learning in the last few years.
0: Sounds very interesting. And I, you know, I'm <clears throat> trying to relate it to what we did at WhatFix. Uh, Uh, last one or two years during the pandemic is to have that social connection through new learning experiences. Once it was like a water, uh, you know, fluid painting uh, uh, class, uh, another time was how to, uh, you know, make a pizza where everybody came together. So it's not only technical training, it's not only soft skills training, but, you know, it fostered that connection, that uh, communication, that collaboration and teamwork. So I really get it. And Uh, seems like a very good idea, you know, from a uh, century uh, business perspective to centralize uh, the uh, the function. So uh, this is fantastic foundation for today's podcast. Let me let me now introduce uh, you know the topic for today. I'll set a little backdrop and then uh, you know we'll we'll go into uh, some questions for you. So the topic for today is accelerating LND's impact uh, through a business uh, driven model. Uh, Give me one second, I actually lost something. Sorry, yeah, screen just blanked. Um, so if you actually think about it, uh, there is more and more of a shift happening to digital knowledge-based economy, uh, which means that uh, you know a vibrant, vibrant workforce is more important than ever. And if you look at research, it also suggests that a very significant percentage of market cap in large public companies is based on intangible assets, skilled employees, uh, exceptional leaders, and knowledge. Uh, These trends have only elevated the importance of learning and development function and then how it's impacting today's business and today's uh, companies. Um, so, I think that's the back, backdrop to, to the topic, accelerating L&D impacts with business-driven learning model. With that, let me fire away uh, and kickstart uh, you know, the, uh, the podcast from a question perspective. Uh, first question is, uh, learning and development uh, you know, is no longer just another function for the company, but it plays an integral role in achieving uh, business goals. What is your opinion on this, Erica?
1: Well, I think your your uh, your introduction cued this up very well, and I would I would add to what you just shared. Um, I, I think it's Peter Senge who said the rate at which an organization learns may become the only sustainable source of competitive advantage. Um, and ever since I read that quote, it has stuck with me. Um, and, and similar, I think, to what you just shared is between our digital knowledge-based economy and the pace at which our world is changing, and and I would say changing with with rising complexity, skills, uh, or many skills, seem to have this increasingly shorter half-life, which certainly makes, uh, on the surface, makes continuous learning and development just a necessity in achieving enterprise goals. but one thing, and one thing you'll probably hear me mention a couple of times throughout this podcast, I'm going to guess, is that it's not just learning that has become integral, but learning in new ways, right? Things are changing so fast that if we stick to the, the quote unquote kind of traditional ways of learning, I don't, I don't know if we'll keep up. Um, so like that Peter Sench quote, if the rate at which we learn is a differentiator, then, then I think we have to have the culture and the environment that supports continuous learning, and and that learning I think in today's in today's era means that it usually needs to happen within the business and in the flow of work, uh, and so where it makes sense, you know, that we need learning to be embedded or woven into the day to day experience of our associates. You know, whether it is through systems or people that can coach. And support uh, in the moment of need, and and very nimbly sustain sustain. Excuse me, behavior change over time.
0: Very well, Erica. You talked about uh, new ways of learning of work, and uh, you know, uh, Workfix uh, is, is is a platform which enables that as well. Uh, do you have one example which uh, you folks uh, have recently uh, leveraged in one of your business lines? Where it's a new way of learning again uh, to share with our audience, anything which comes to your mind
1: Yes we, we have leveraged what uh in a couple of different places and are and are looking at where else uh, can we leverage it because it ha- has been such uh, a successful tool in and, and exactly what I, I just described of uh, you know the we know from a learning perspective that it just doesn't have impact to have people go sit in a room and you know just kind of have a one-way absorption of content uh, for hours, and they get back to the work environment, um, and and don't retain, uh, and or in today's challenging labor market. it's hard to get, you know, a lot of areas are, a lot of companies are short-staffed right now. So even trying to get people away from their work, so to speak, to attend a learning experience is pretty challenging. Um, so we have found probably our most success and our most value in in leveraging WhatFix certainly in, um, you know, large software rollouts where, um, we have a large audience, large portion of our organization that uh, needs to learn a, a new system or tool, um, but also in those areas that tend to perhaps have, you know, higher turnover and where we already have a higher volume of our learning investment sent uh, um, focused uh, in that, you know, previously it was a multiple week classroom based learning experience. Uh, and now we can shorten that, improve their experience and actually get them to proficiency and on the job more quickly uh, because we have that, that learning within the flow of work, woven right into their, their day to day.
0: Erica, when I first met you, uh, you know, close to two months ago, when we started talking about uh, you know posting you on the podcast and getting prepared, uh, obviously the new years and, and, and the end of the year slowed it down. You were talking about designing a business aligned and business driven strategic learning plan. Now every business has their strategy, their challenges, their needs. Uh, and LND, uh, you know, would need to uh, uh, to support those. I was wondering if you want to pick any examples uh, to share from the lines of business you and your team uh, support at uh, Century Today and uh, and talk about it.
1: Sure, um, you know, so our corporate university supports you know the the broad professional and leadership development needs of our organization as. I was anticipate most LD functions likely do. Um, but we also support at the business unit level. So whether it's claims, sales, underwriting, customer service, or even our hospitality business. So that's that's where the golf, cor- golf course is part of our hospitality business. Um, in all of those, we have very close relationships and alignment between our top leaders and the learning function to assure we're working on the right things from a business perspective. So and I, I guess I would take the opportunity to emphasize here is not just who we serve, but really how we partner. And, and I think we have what I call maybe like a cross-section of ways that we assure our learning aligns closely with business needs. So for example, uh, we have a we have a clearly defined governance structure for our corporate university that essentially aligns our top leaders with our learning leaders uh, to assure that our corporate university is working on what is most important for our business strategy. Um, Second, the the other aspect that I've really appreciated since joining Century is that much of our learning function is actually comprised of associates from the business. Uh, so, that connection and the credibility and and just the conversation about what's most important, I think, just naturally gets strengthened or maybe even accelerated. Um, and then, you know, we build on those relationships um, through that regular cadence of meetings and conversations that start at the executive level uh, to plan and prioritize how we invest in our learning resources. So we serve a lot of groups across the organization, but it's it's really that top leadership support that I think is a a differentiator and in making us successful.
0: Uh, Very good. Uh, One uh, interesting follow-up question which I have for you is you talked about the governance structure. So, uh, you know, is there a regular cadence which you have with your business leaders and business stakeholders uh, where you meet regularly? And, uh, you know, just thinking, start of the year, so you probably met with the businesses you support, call it uh, you know, late quarter four calendar year and talked about sure. what are the uh, learning needs of the organization, what are the business priorities for next 12 months uh, and so on. So can you talk a little bit about how do you go about that governance and that planning process at a high level?
1: Sure. Um so, our, our corporate university is structured almost like an HR business partner model. You know, an HR business partner that typically is aligned with a business unit or an executive leader. Our learning function is very similar and that our learning leaders are aligned um, not just to business units, um, but to... Um, to a chief level leader. Um, So they have their own connection, usually one-on-ones, their own direct relationship between the learning leader and the the executive leader. Um, But then each, um, each group kind of each major business unit has what we call steering committees. So it's the chief level leader and usually their direct reports and they're connecting with their leader, excuse me, their learning leader on a regular cadence. That varies, you know, by business unit you know, of how frequent it is, um, but I would say at least quarterly. Um, sometimes more, sometimes less in other areas. Sometimes a few times a quarter. Of where you know the conversation is coming together. Here's what we're here's what we're working on delivering for you. Uh, here's where we need to where we think we need to go in the upcoming months. And what else is in our what else is is coming. Uh, what else are we hearing? What else is on our radar? Um, What other requests have we maybe gotten or heard from the business since we met last? And then it's really that that executive team that is saying, okay, yep, we're hearing this and we're hearing that. And out of all the kind of the capacity and the resources we have learning here is where we want you to focus your efforts. Um, So that's a lot of the conversation. So we know what we're working on. And then certainly that governance structure and those conversations are very helpful when it's time to actually roll out learning, and that we have that support uh, and reinforcement uh, and um, leadership kind of engagement around our learning as well.
0: It makes a lot of sense. Seems like you are very tightly integrated um, yes. with business, and there is a continuous uh, you know engagement throughout the year. Again, I'm just trying to relate it to my experiences. Uh, so you know, I'm part of the sales team, and we have a sales enablement team which helps us. And we meet them regularly uh, on a quarterly basis. We talk about what is our expected hire plan, how many people are going to onboard, uh, you know, how many leaders are uh, actually uh, joining the organization who will have some people management skills or if anyone is getting promoted, et cetera, et cetera. And then also tweak uh, as we you know, introduce more and more newer products. So that sales enablement team is always side by side listening to us Everything is required, and it's a continuous engagement. So I can see uh, you're know, at a much larger player, You are almost 43 to 4,400 employees. We are still a small company. But the processes and uh, frameworks are are very similar. So again, very, very good to know uh, how you do it. Just one other thing before I uh, talk about something else. Uh, uh, at any given point of time uh, you know what is the mix of projects you have from businesses because it's leadership training it's soft skills for employees you talked about some technical projects or competency based training uh, so what, what what's the mix of projects you have in um, uh, any specific area which uh, which makes you excited or you know call it uh, one of your favorites uh, to focus on from a personal perspective
1: oh that's a good question um you know the the first thing that comes to mind at, at any given time, our team is often juggling about one hundred and eighty projects uh, at a time um, and I would say actually mm, the lar- the larger majority of our our learning team probably more of those efforts are focused on business specific learning. Uh, so our learning team is actually broken into um, our our learning leaders and our learning performance specialists who work closely with the business. We have our instructional designers. And of course, we have our, our, our very important team who helps manage our learning solutions in our LMS and so on. And so much of that work between the learning leaders and the learning performance specialists who work more closely with the business um, You know, I'd have to look at the exact breakdown, but it's probably two-thirds, three-fourths, you know, of our of that team is focused specifically on business related efforts. So whether it might be that we're rolling out a new insurance product, and so our sales folks. Not only need education around on what it is, but they need, need may need also um, how do you how do you introduce this to a customer? What's the communication strategy around it? How do you overcome objections? Uh, those types of things. Um, so it's it's really a, a mix. Of course, my my space and my background is in professional uh, and leadership development. So that's really what my direct team uh, focuses on. And so we get to interact with the entire organization, um, which which I really enjoy. Um, I think our uh, my my favorite project I would say, which is in the works, but one I'm really excited about, is looking at our accelerated leadership development program. So um, how are how are we taking you know future successors uh, in our organization and assuring that not only they're development is is moving in the right direction for their you know potential future roles but how are we truly accelerating their development so if they did nothing else uh a year from now do we have truly have them in a new place uh that they wouldn't have been otherwise you know absent uh the learning experiences um, so that's that's one that's that's in the works, but we're really excited for this year. Um, so I think it connects both back to my favorite topic of uh, leadership development but also how we in turn, um, helping the business prepare for the future.
0: That's very, very good to know. Thank you for that. So we talked about uh, you know learning and development, uh, supporting a business and business needs and uh, it, it plays a pivotal role uh, you know, like we talked about in scaling a business and making sure it's uh, uh, successful. I'm just gonna flip the coin a little bit. Uh, um, I was recently reading a study from uh, Deloitte which says 22% of executives believe that their companies, only 22, I'm highlighting only 22, believe that their companies are outstanding at creating a differentiated employee learning experience. Have you encountered a situation where a business leader was not bought into the idea of LD driven business outcome or outcomes and what do you say to those leaders
1: um, okay well I'd say I have a two-part answer um, in in terms of what's made that successful and, and probably likely where I don't think today but just part of our journey over the last five years has been, influencing leaders and associates um, to a stronger 70-20-10 framework uh, in our learning uh, and moving away from the traditional classroom base that in order for people to learn, they have to sit in the classroom. Uh, So that's what comes to mind. I'd say the two ways that we have influenced that or kind of overcome that is is first, it makes me think of some of the leaders within our learning function who came from the business. Um, So the lens that they've brought into learning is certainly priceless. because they, they can speak the language of the business. They understand the concerns. They understand, oh, if you have a, a salesperson who's on the road uh, much of their time, how are we adjusting learning to actually make it work for them? And it's actually there in the moment of need. Um, and so having their lens and bringing in people from the business as part of the learning function I think has, has been important for that. In fact, our executives are often involved in that um, selection process. They, like when I interviewed for my job, um, I actually interviewed with one of our chief officers who um, oversees one of our you know, revenue generating business areas. So I think having their, their buy-in in different ways and them seeing folks from their business that you're involved in selecting uh, helps kind of proactively minimize that because there's already a foundation of trust and a relationship. Um, and you know, the second answer, I, I think it's just being patient. <laughs> I don't know if that's a whole or complete answer, but um, of, of, you know, showing up to the table and being ready to listen and, and ask really good questions and kind of just patiently wade through the, the ambiguity and the uncertainty around, wait, you want to do this differently. Why? Um, but doesn't classroom-based learning work better? Uh, and honestly, I think what we saw at Century is we, we just had a little bit of impact here and there. And we had one advocate here and there to say, oh, this new way really worked in my business area. And it kind of just you know the the information that the news just kind of spread on the organization and helped us build build credibility in that way.
0: So I think that's really good advice. Uh, again, thank you for sharing that. Um, I think yeah, citing a role model who has moved from uh, you know call it uh, business into LND function always helps. And I think patience is a virtue. And with time, I think people see the benefits. So really good advice for uh, for our listening audience. Actually my next question was sort of uh, you've already answered uh, you talked about uh, that you have people with prior business background who rotate or spend some time within the LND organization uh, again i was thinking about another uh, LND leader i spoke with in the last 6 uh, months or so where they talked about in their organization delivery folks and professional services folks coming and spending some time in the lending org you know LND organization or there are people who went out for certification uh, in instructional design. They came back. Uh, they were actually not part of LND, but uh, you know they were looking at certification and you know looking at this as an area and spending uh, time on a special project and then eventually moving to LND, which really helped with business people coming into LND. Outside of business people and you know kind of examples I gave, is there anything else which you are uh, you know doing at Century? Uh, you know, insurance to enable your LND associates and your trainers to know more about uh, the challenges and the objectives, um, and really knowing the business. Anything else which uh, comes to mind uh, outside of rotating people, which which is helping with uh, enablement of uh, your LND associates and trainers.
1: Yeah, as you mentioned, the um, that, that has been a very successful practice of bringing associates from the business into our learning function. And as you, you you mentioned, for some of them, they'll likely return to working within the business later in their career, right? So working, and I think you used the word rotation, you know, working in the corporate university for some will have been somewhat like a rotation for them, um, which of course I'm... I'm biased as an L&D leader, but I do think having a few years of experience uh, within the learning function will give them a unique skill set as future business leaders. And being part, I think being part of learning helps you gain a little bit different insight into what drives behavior change and change management and certainly talent development, um, which of course are very important skills uh, as they continue their careers back in the business. So we, uh, we've, we've found a lot of success from that model. Um, and then to the, the second part of your question around how we um, help our associates kind of continue um, to develop that knowledge. And once they are in the learning function to stay engaged uh, with, the, with the leadership teams, uh, excuse me, with the, with the business, we've outlined our, our learning function kind of five revenue generating areas kind of our corporate areas and then our learning solutions team. Uh, And we do that. So even the areas that specialize within different functions under revenue generating are still coming together and have this very intentional kind of process um, for sharing what they're working on, sharing their insights, you know, helping others connect and build relationships across the organization or just sharing to say, oh, wait, you're working on this. I know someone over here that connects you with. We also have a very, um, uh, we're especially digging into this year, building a more in-depth process for um, team-based feedback on our learning initiatives so that not only are you, as you're is you're, are you more kind of with the more agility sharing uh, what you're working on uh, with your team, but very quickly kind of sharing information about what's going on in other areas of the business, um, so that collectively as the learning function, we're, we're sharing knowledge um, across the across the learning team.
0: So it looks like the environment there is uh, you know very open uh, very team oriented very collaborative there is good uh, yes. uh, engagement and you'd already touched upon the governance model uh, so uh, you know LND seems to be in very close touch with uh, with business so all uh, w- very good inputs uh, i'm I want to ask you one more question, and then we'll, uh, you know, move to a interesting part uh, of uh, the podcast, which is rapid fire. But let me ask you one more question, right. keeping keeping a track of time. Um, so, look, looking back at the last one and a half, two years of pandemic, uh, you know, companies are facing a very tight labor market. Uh, you have great resignation taking place, or is sort of in play. So, voice of employee or employee experience is as important as improving, call it customer service and customer experience. The pandemic is forcing us to look at different ways, new ways of learning. You talked about that. Uh, mm-hmm. So, what would you say are uh, one or two of your key learnings you want to share from the past year, year and a half, where your department or LND function at Century had to pivot and continue to provide the expected level of support to your internal business units? Because now you've suddenly moved virtual, no classroom things. So, any one or two learnings you want to share from the past one year?
1: Sure. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is um, we ha- we kind of had some lessons in things don't have to be perfect to roll them out. Um, <laughs> and, uh, our former senior director, he's now retired, but used to always tell us, "Don't don't let greats get in the way of good." And I think that was something we learned of when our you know our our world dramatically changed. We are all mostly working in offices when the pandemic hit, uh, and. Suddenly, our our whole organization was working from home, um, and we recognized in that moment as a learning team, we have to we have to respond to this. Uh, and as an example, we had someone on my team who came up with an idea of a way to to build connection across the organization and it went from idea to implementation in two weeks. Uh and was it perfectly designed? It was, you know, was it the perfectly polished, fancy, you know, learning with virtual, you know, resources and all those different things. No, but it was exactly what we needed in that moment because we needed responsiveness. And we we actually didn't have to overproduce it because what we needed to create was conversation and connection. And that was that was where the success was. It was, oh, it wasn't a perfectly designed PowerPoint or anything like that, it was, we created a space for connection and very quickly. So I think that was one lesson, uh, that, that came to, that comes to mind the other, uh, and this might be going off in a little bit different direction, but it it's just such a strong lesson that we've gained in the the last year or two. And, And we alluded to this at the beginning, um, is we really deepened our understanding of the importance of connection, uh, and in LD, you know, I think we understand the importance of human interaction, right? We use social learning. We like to get people in groups and, and help learners engage with each other. Um, but through the pandemic, I think something we learned as learning professionals is we kind of have even another a level of that or an opportunity to, to broaden our impact uh, by making human connection one of our goals. Um, you know, whether, Whether your company is still working from home or not, due to the pandemic, globally, we are fully in the era of remote and flexible work assignments, uh, and technology is absolutely our lifeline. And, you know, in learning and development, we have have unprecedented access to tools that drive self-directed learning, you know, keyword self. Um, You know, associates can look up what they need without ever leaving their desks or sending down their phones. And those technologies are incredibly powerful and critical to how we function. But they do also minimize or they can minimize human interaction. And they could result in making us feel isolated. And um, I think something that we've really dug into in the last year is, is really thinking about how humans are social beings and are Brains are wired for social connection and we need to feel a sense of belonging to thrive, to be healthy and happy. So to bring that full circle, uh, you know, what we learned in the pandemic is that we still absolutely need our digital tools. Like they are a lifeline to continuing to function in this new environment. Um, But we still need experiences that connect us as human beings. Um, So for example, at Century, we have a learning program called Connection Works. uh, And it is simply about bringing together our associates for one hour to focus on topics that create connection. So things like empathy or positive intents or just talking about our surge capacity uh, and so on. And I think it's that combination of bringing together our digital assets and our human selves uh, that that help aid us or will help aid us uh, into success into the future.
0: Thank you for sharing that, Erica. I think uh, you're not the only business who has faced these challenges. Yeah. I see this all around. You know, talking to so many business leaders and uh, you know, learning professionals. Uh, what I'm taking is uh, you know, a couple of takeaways from what you just shared is. Uh, Uh, you know, that human connection uh, is very, very important and uh, many leaders and even individual contributors face that problem where they are not in an office. And, you know, having that sense of belonging, having a sense of uh, that teamwork and having a sense of community, which is there in a organization, very, very hard to replace. So focusing on that aspect was something your team focused on. And uh, healthy business with. Uh, you talked about things not being perfect. I think uh, very good advice. It has to be responsive. It has to be agile, meet the business requirements. And seems like yeah. you have pivoted to more and more digital tools which are driving self-service. So all yes. very, very good points. Uh, very good. So uh, I have to now uh, look at the clock. So uh, uh, let's move to the rapid fire round. Um, I'm going to ask you four to five questions. Uh, you can answer them in one word, or if you like, you can answer them in one sentence. So let me uh, you know, fire away the first one. What strategy do you think is most critical to learning and development given the current skills gap?
1: Um, I'd say weaving learning into everyday experiences uh, and empower your associates as agents of learning. That was kind of two sure. answers, but I feel strongly about both.
0: <laughs> Sounds good, not a problem. I think both are uh, good. Uh, which is more important to you, upskilling or reskilling?
1: Ooh, um, I'll, I'll go with upskilling. You know, I think, I think we need to build those new skills uh, to close talent gaps as we moved in, move into the future.
0: Looks like that uh, served you and Sentry uh, very well in terms of upskilling. Uh, good. Uh, how do we transform employees from skilled trainees into self-directed learners?
1: Hmm. You know, I think I think we have to focus on building the underlying, cap- underlying capabilities that accelerate learning. So things like critical thinking and curiosity and creativity, risk-taking, a growth mindset. Um, I think if, we've, if we start with those, uh, we can encourage self-directed learning.
0: Really good advice. Uh, what are the key tenets of a effective uh, learning experience to upskill employees and increase business resilience?
1: Ooh, I can do this one in one word, connection.
0: Well, that's awesome, fantastic. That's what I was thinking <laughs> as well, very, very good. Uh, Erika, you are a leader in the L&D space. Who are the people you uh, look up to? Any recent one that comes to mind and inspired you?
1: You know, the first person that comes to mind is Gina Genero. She is the Chief Learning Officer for BMO. Um, I've participated in some learning experiences that uh, she's done some, you know, recordings for, and I just find her way of thinking and and you know, challenging, uh, challenging us to pave new paths. Just very inspiring. So I would I would call it.
0: All right, thank you. Erica, this is something that we ask all our guests of the podcast. This is the last question. What is the one word or phrase that comes to your mind about digital transformation and adoption?
1: I would say change the learning curve.
0: Got it. So, Erica, we have come <laughs> to the end of the podcast. Uh, uh, before we sign off, uh, what is the best way for our listeners to reach you? And we can include that, uh, you know, whether it's a, uh, email or if it's, uh, you know, trying to reach you on LinkedIn, we can include that as a note in our podcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll make my LinkedIn profile available to you. Uh, and that is definitely the best way to reach out.
0: Thank you, Erica. Thank you for your time and all the valuable insights you shared with us. Uh, thank you listeners for tuning into the digital adoption podcast in this episode. Um, time to say goodbye. Thank you.
1: Bye-bye. Yes. Thank you for having me.